Hello, this is Diane from Diane Abroad. The show is In the Know, her podcast show. Um, I'm an international solo nomad, an author, a travel blogger, and a photographer. And I'm here to provide you writing tips, travel tips, and my views of life from savvy and thoughtful to quirky and humorous. The music that you hear, Jazz Infusion Piece, was written for me by Rafael Javadov, an incredible Russian violinist. We thank him for that music, of course. And I hope you enjoy the show. Hello, thank you for joining us today. This is Diane Schindler from Diane Abroad, the In the Know show. It's the 20th of December, 2018. The name of this program is Just a Girl, Chapter 22. I wrote Just a Girl, a novel, a coming-of-age fiction, and published it in June of 2017. The main character is Paula. In this chapter, chapter 22, which is about the middle of the book, Paula is about 47 years old. Just one week earlier, after her incredible bonding with her dad, her mom called with ghastly news. He's been having bad headaches for weeks, took all kinds of medicines, but, but nothing helped. And you know your daddy, he wouldn't go to the doctor. And we were walking around the yard and he just fell. He didn't trip over anything. His legs get out and it, it, was, it was the weirdest thing. I mean, it was weird because when he fell, he crossed his arms with his hands on his shoulders and he, and he just dropped to the ground suddenly in a squatting position. I don't, I don't think he meant to do that, but it happened. It was like, it was like, um, it was like involuntary or something. I don't know. I was scared. He looked awful and weak. I couldn't get him up. He was too heavy. I, I had to leave him there. I had to, I just, I had to. And I ran to the neighbors to call 911. I know he didn't have a heart attack. It wasn't a stroke. Well, we're here now. And they're doing a bunch of tests. Paula asked, what kind of tests, Mom? I don't know. I don't know, Paula. Paula said to herself, how can this be? Last week we worked together. We worked hard cutting down those diseased birch trees. He showed no signs of anything, she said to herself. I'm sure it's going to be okay, Mom. It just seems too sudden. I mean, it sounds quirky. He was perfect last last week. He was perfect. No, no, don't worry about a thing. I'll be here tomorrow. I'm going to come back tomorrow. It's going to be good. The next day, her mother and Uncle Dave were having coffee in the hospital waiting room when Paula arrived. She said to herself, gosh, Mom looks good. She looks sharp. I thought she'd be a shambles. Her mom said, they believe it's a brain tumor. I couldn't pick him up when he fell. I just, he, and he couldn't get himself up. And you know, I had to leave him and I had to, I had to, he's so strong. He's, he's such, in such good shape, Paula, but his headaches have been so bad. Pray, 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 please pray. It's, it's benign. Uncle David said, hello, Paula. I haven't seen you in years. Ruthie says you're a bigwig now. Good to see you too, Uncle Dave. Glad you're here. Mom needs you. So, Mom, tell me about these headaches. 
He's been having headaches. Yes, honey, you, you know he's just not a complainer, and we didn't think of it. She was interrupted by a tall, handsome black man in surgical greens. Ms. Mrs. Ledbetter, I'm Dr. Parsons. We met earlier. I'm afraid I have bad news. Dr. Parsons took her hand. It doesn't look good. We took a small sample for testing, but we couldn't remove any tissues. It's, it's just too dangerous. I've seen this before. And Mrs. Ledbetter, I'm sorry to tell you, it's cancer. Oh my God, oh my God, no, no, her mom screamed, violently kicking her legs and feet as if to contain her shock. She threw herself into her brother's arms. Paula, Paula asked, well, aren't you waiting for the test? What about tests to confirm it? Well, he said, yes and no. I've done a lot of surgeries and it's obvious to me, this tissue, this it's very, very angry in there. I'm afraid it is cancer. He stood up and looked back at her mother. He needs to decide what to do when he wakes up. I'll be there and we'll talk to him. I'm so sorry. I'm his daughter, Paula. What are his choices, she asked. Dr. Parsons nodded, shook her hand. Only two choices, Paula. Chemo or no chemo? I'll spell it all out when, we, when he can talk. He needs to be involved in this discussion, of course. Paula had often thought about how she would feel when faced with the death of one of her parents. She hadn't lived at home or even near her parents since she was 17. That was nearly, nearly 30, 30 years ago. And over those years, she hadn't spent more than a week at a time with them. Usually, usually it was just a long weekend. The truth was, Paula's life was far removed from her parents. Besides, Paula never really felt like she belonged to her family. She was different. She was never close to her sister, and her relationship with her mother always seemed detached. While Paula grew to accept and even embrace her feelings of separation, but her dad, her dad, she felt such an affinity for him. They had few discussions, mostly because he was an introvert and he valued his science, silence, but, but still, Paula, she sensed a closeness, especially when they worked together. It had always been like that since she was six and helped him in his garage, even at 10 years old, when she held the ceiling tiles for him as he fastened them to the attic studs. They built garages together when he was 15, and she cherished all those bonding experiences. Thank God, she said. Thank God for those diseased birch trees. It was all too surreal. She was numbed. And she was too caught up in her own anguish, incapable of providing meaningful support to anyone. Can you take it out? Her dad asked. His head was wrapped in a massive white bandage with small, a small drainage tube leading out to a covered container of some sort. The heart monitor beeped loudly. Paula expected him to look small and tired, but you know, she was wrong. His eyes were bright, green, riveting. 
he looked even bigger than usual. I mean, he was never overweight, but he had big legs and arms and hands. His wife, wide-eyed, looked like a little girl, a little scared girl. No, Dr. Parsons said, it's in the part of the brain that any removal would be more harmful than helpful. Let me introduce you to Dr. Mendel, our, your oncologist. He can answer questions about chemotherapy, Mr. Ben, Dr. Mandel. Dr. Mandel, good, good to meet all of you. I'm just so sorry it's under these circumstances. You do have some options. Well, well will chemo make me sick? Her father interrupted. Very likely, yes, it will upset your system. Does it work? It can lengthen life. What happens if I don't do chemo, her father asked. Mr. Ledbetter, I must tell you, and I want to be clear. Unfortunately, whether you choose chemo or not, you will not survive this cancer. Oh, I see. How long? Dr. Parsons took his time. It's a fast-acting cancer, stage four. You might have, you might have four months. Her father hesitated. Okay, um, okay, all right. Then, then how will it happen? Paula thought to herself, he is incredibly strong. He's so courageous. You will not be in any pain. No more headaches. We can keep you comfortable. You will be lucid. You will be aware. Gradually, you will lose the ability to walk. You'll get weaker in general. You will likely go into a coma, and soon after that, it will be over. Her mother could no longer hold back her emotions. A little scream eked out. Her dad took her hand but remained fixed on his objective. Can I go home, he asked. Her mother finally spoke. I want to take care of him. I can, I can take care of him at home. I want to take care of him at home. Yes, of course. We'll release you when we get you stable. That would be in a day or two probably, and I'll take care of that process right now. Both doctors nodded and left the room. Just watching her father and her mother was crushing. She said to herself, I don't know what to do. I don't say, what do I do? Two days later, he went home. He looked good. His eyes were bright. He even smiled. And he had decided against chemo. It was unmistakable. He was not going to be sad. He had chosen to enjoy as best he could his last months. Paula held his hand and she remembered the time they held hands when Paula held his hand. She remembered the time they held hands when she was five and when he walked into the hardware store to buy her a red wagon. Her hand felt so tiny in his huge calloused hand. And on this day, on this day, his hand was still big and rough. Are you in any pain, Dad? No. Paula? No, I'm in no pain. How long have you been here? Four days. 
I didn't know. Kept in the background, you and Mom needed to have some time together, Dad. He nodded and closed his eyes. Paula said, I have to leave now, but I'm coming back in three weeks. Got to go to work. I'm so sorry. His eyes squinted open. He squeezed her hand. I love you, Paula. Me too. I love you too, Daddy. That was the first time her dad had ever said that to her. And it was the last time. 18 days later, he was gone. That's the end of chapter 22. Now, I just want to tell you, this book is not a big downer. It really isn't. I would say, though, it's kind of an emotional roller coaster. I chose this chapter, chapter 22, mostly because it was the, kind of short. It was a good length for a podcast. I also think it was a moving chapter. I hope you think so. You can buy Just a Girl on Amazon in paperback or ebook. Look at the program notes for the link to that book. Um, to Amazon page if you're interested in buying it. You also can buy it, put your hands on it, and feel it before you buy it. At Story and Song Bookstore in Amelia Island, Florida, and the Phoenix and Dragon Bookstore in Atlanta, Georgia. So check the program notes for that. Also, before we sign off here today in this podcast, I want to tell you that I have developed um, an e book photo book is 13 pages now if you've been following me at all you know I'm a solo nomad I've been traveling for the last three years 40 countries and five continents and I put some of my favorite photos in this ebook and the ebook can be yours for free all that you do is email me at diane at dianeabroad.com and I'm happy to send that book to you hope that you like it and I really would love for you to subscribe to my podcast. And I also would love for you to remove, review this podcast and tell me what you think and forward it to your friends. We're going to go out on my favorite music, Raphael Javadoff. He wrote this music for me in about 2010. He wanted to entitle it. My little Diane, but we called it the Amelia Island Sun because I was living on Amelia Island at the time. I hope you have a great day. See you on the next podcast. Thank you so much for listening.